Scene 6 Setting Jesus en route from the court of the Sanhedrin to be accused before Pilate. Luke, chapter 22, verses 31 to 43, verses 54 to 62. My captors and I passed by a group of people gathered outside the temple. I saw Peter in the distance, with his back turned to me. He had valiantly promised to protect me. He had bravely followed me to the courtyard. But when the Roman guards slammed the door to the inner court in Peter's face, he sheepishly backed down. He had lingered in the shadows for a little while, as close as he possibly could be to me. A cluster of common folks were warming their hands by a fire. Peter slowly moved to join them, thinking he could be incognito. Instead of warming his hands, his hands were perspiring. He was wringing them almost too harshly. His heart beat rapidly. He tried to stop wringing his hands. The group will notice, he thought to himself. I knew Peter would not be with me any more at this point, yet what he did not know is that I was with him. As his fellow Jewish colleagues eyed him suspiciously, I was thinking of him. They stared at him, eyes reflecting the flames of the fire. Peter cast his eyes to the ground. The fire seemed much hotter than any previous fire he could ever remember. The flames seemed to leap off the logs and sear into his heart. He concentrated on the wildly dancing flames, blue, orange, red. He didn't dare look up. Even though he had not looked up, he felt that everyone was glaring at him. He felt the eyes of those near him watch his every move. He felt he was being surveyed from every side. He felt that if the eyes of those near him would shut or turn away, that the eyes of the universe would keep staring. Eyes of stars, of moon, of sun, even all of the heavenly host, eyes which would penetrate his fearful heart with their relentless stare. Those eyes, his mind raised, those eyes, he grabbed his head. Why are you staring at me? He wanted to scream. Stop it! He silently shouted within himself over and over. Why is everyone looking at me? Stop looking at me! His heart beat loudly. He did not seem like an organ of his body anymore, but a vast echoing chamber of eternal weights and balances. Decisions and destinies to be determined. With the eyes watching him as the jury and the intentions of his heart as the judge, he is guilty, they silently screamed. I must not forsake him. Peter's mind tried to rein in his thoughts to focus on the why and the what of the moment. I must focus on him, my Messiah, my Lord. The past three years in which he had followed me flashed back before him. He was with me when I said to Lazarus, who had lain dead in his grave already four days, Lazarus? Come forth. John chapter 11, verse 43. Peter could hardly believe his eyes as Lazarus appeared at the entrance of the tomb. Peter had eagerly stepped forward to help unwrap the grave clothes of a man who was dead and now lived. He had seen me raise the widow's son, heal the lepers, make the lame man get up, carry his bed, and walk. He had seen me walk on water. 
he had even come to meet me, stepping out onto the water with great faith for a brief moment. Right before he began to sink, he had recognized me as a son of God when he proclaimed, Surely you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. He recounted my words I had spoken to him earlier this evening. Simon, Simon, for that was his name before he became Peter the Rock. Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith will not fail. When you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Lord, I am ready to go with you, both into prison and to death. He remembered his response, and was surprised at mine. I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day before you have denied me, not once, but three times. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34. Peter replayed every word in his head. I cannot forsake him. I will not forsake him. Peter was determined. But as the inquisition of eyes circled around him, getting closer and closer, he began to burn at a stake of fear, failure, and doubt. I know he would never forsake me, he reassured himself. Peter leapt to his feet. I must not forsake him. He yelled so loudly in his mind, he was sure that everyone had heard him. He glanced nervously around. No, no one was looking at him, except maybe her or maybe him. The fire began to snarl as if a thousand demons were now mocking him with lashing tongues. You fool, you follow a failure, and now you too will die with him. What were you thinking? Why did you leave everything to go with this man? You had a thriving business. You thought you were going to do something important to save Israel. Ha! <laughs> you are nothing but a scared fisherman. He was Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples. Now his Lord, his Messiah, was inside the inner court of the Sanhedrin being accused of blasphemy. Peter, outside the court, was enduring his own trial. In the court of Satan, Lucifer sifted, sifted sifted Peter, as one sifts wheat on a threshing floor. The threshing floor was a place where sheaves of grain were crushed under the feet of oxen. The partially threshed grain was continually being turned over with a fork. The stalks became broken into short pieces, and the husks of grain separated from the stalk. The mixture of chaff and grain was then thrown into the wind with a winnowing fork. The chaff blew away and the good grain was collected in a pile. The stalks were often burned. The entire process of threshing is about refining the edible wheat from the unstable parts of the grain. The refinement that comes from sifting makes the grain usable and creates seed for producing a future harvest, a harvest producing one hundred times more crop. Without the sifting, the good wheat is essentially useless. Peter would one day become a usable seed on which I could plant my church on the day of the Feast of the Shavuot. Alas, tonight he was on the threshing floor, enduring the most excoriating testing of his life 
being accused by the enemy of his soul. I told Peter I had prayed for him, that his faith would not fail. Also, I was praying for him, as I am praying for you, for after all, I was thinking of him, as I am thinking of you now. As you wrestle with the voices that lie to your soul during your own time of testing, when shouts of cynicism war against the truth and attack the most profound beliefs in your heart. When Satan sifts you on the threshing floor of faith, stomping on you with questions and doubts of my lordship and eternal life, the enemy of your soul stares at you with a million eyes of strangers piercing into the stark naked core of your being, shouting, What do you believe? I have prayed for you, just as I prayed for Peter. I have prayed that your faith would not fail. Surely, he is the Messiah. Peter kept trying to keep his thoughts on course as he saw me bound in chains. Truly, he is the Son of God, the Son of David, the righteous Messiah who had come to deliver his people Israel. Why then is he being sentenced? Yes, Peter concentrated with all of his might on the truth that he knew as he paced back and forth back and forth. His mind now in a wrestling match lies lapping against truth in a ring of fire. Truly, he is surely the Messiah, his heart said. Lies? How could that be true? He was just a carpenter from Nazareth. His brain pulsated in anguish with lies, lies, just as lies pound your brain during your time of sifting as you lay bare on the sifting floor, like massive waves pummeling you, set after set, when you have swam past the breakwater, you are losing strength, and you cannot take one more wave. This is the moment of your own truth, as this riptide of lies attempts to drown you in fear. The shore of faith seems distant, out of reach, especially when all you have gained, you think, may be lost. Even though Peter attempted to steer the conversation with himself straight through the tumultuous waves of deceit to stay focused on the truth, he began to capsize. His attempts were ruthlessly tossed, feeling somewhat like steering a boat into the eye of a perfect storm. As a hurricane-like winds of doubts, half-truths, empty words and accusations sent waves to hit his small craft, Peter felt the full wrath from the wicked blows of the sifting. Doubts like sharks bearing teeth that trash truth in the jaws of hell, relentlessly, until the victim wonders if he has ever known any God at all. I am the way, the truth, the life. Peter had heard me say, No one comes to the Father but by me. John chapter 14 verse 6 I and the Father are one. John chapter 10, verse 30. These were radical statements, yet Peter's eyes were opened. He could see. He had been with me at the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah appeared. Peter had tried to speak, but a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice spoke out of the cloud. This is my beloved Son, whom I love. I am very pleased with him. Listen to him. Matthew chapter 17 verse 5 
When Peter and the other disciples heard the voice, they were terrified and fell on their faces, until I touched them and said, Do not be afraid. Oh, how Peter wished I could touch him now! How he wished that the heavens would open up and the voice of God would speak into this dismal moment and say, <laughs> The seemingly cruel joke is over. Your Saviour is not being condemned to die. It'll all be over in the morning, and he will be back together with you. But alas, this is my hour of darkness. Faith is tested in darkness. This was also the hour of Peter's darkness. Peter was being sifted like wheat, dividing the grains from the chaff, winnowing the windows of his soul, his beliefs, and his secret heart. And yet the fear of being accused of being a follower of me was a different fear than the fear he felt when the voice spoke out of heaven. He remembered this voice, the voice of many waters, a voice that had brought him to his knees. Yet he was afraid of this voice, but it was also strong and soothing, calm and in control. The voices of fear inside his head, however, were vastly different. They brought confusion, condemnation, and darkness. All the while I was thinking of him as the voice of a servant girl seated near him by the fire, who had been examining him closely broke the screaming silence of his inner turmoil. This man was with Jesus. Woman, I don't know him. Peter lashed back at her before he even had time to think. You are one of them, a man next to him called out. Man, I am not, Peter shouted even louder, hoping to drown out the voices in his head. Everyone was quiet. Only the sound of the fire crackled at his feet. No one knew what to say. Peter wanted to run and hide. He felt backed into a corner with no escape. Tick, tick, tick. An hour passed. It seemed like an eternity, when finally another man whispered, Certainly, this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. The whisper seemed as loud as a tribune's command to his legion of soldiers. Peter grabbed his own head and shook it with all of his might. I don't know him. Cock-a-doodle-doo. The sound of the rooster sliced the atmosphere. Weeks from now, the same Peter would appear boldly before all of his Jewish brethren on the steps of the temple, proclaiming with courage and conviction the belief in the death and resurrection of Jesus. But now, all eyes were locked on him as he buried his head in his hands, tears streaming down his face. He could hide his face, but he could not hide his failure. I had looked at him as we passed, but he could not bear to look at me. Look at me, Peter. Look at me. I love you. I told you before it came to pass that you might believe. I silently whispered under my breath. I had said to him, The Son of Man will be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill me. But on the third day I will rise again. Luke chapter 24, verse 7 As I passed, I prayed he would remember these words I had said. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world 
ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John chapter 16 verse 33. Believe, Peter. Believe. I wept for Peter, my beloved Peter, as he denied me, just as I weep for you when you have denied me. For the times you will deny me still, for the times when the lies wash over the truth, to the point you are drowning in the sea of your own failure. It is at this moment I died for you, for I am thinking of you as I am thinking of Peter running away from his moment of truth. He would need a scapegoat, one who could take the blame for his misdeeds or errors. On the Day of Atonement, the chief priest would symbolically lay the sins of the people upon a goat which was sent alive into the wilderness, a scapegoat. Peter needed a scapegoat, an atonement for his sin, just as you need a scapegoat. I am that scapegoat. And now, the ultimate day of atonement has come. I must finish the work. I must finish the work I was sent to do, to take the sins of all of humanity upon myself. For my Father in heaven requires atonement from sin, and I, the Lamb of God, have come as a scapegoat to make my reconciliation for the sins of the people. I knew Peter would need my forgiveness, just as I know you would need my forgiveness. It is why I proceed these early morning hours to appear before Pilate, surrounded by the Pharisees and Sadducees of the temple and the Roman soldiers. I must atone for Peter, as I must atone for you. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 Though you forsake me, I will not forsake you. It was for Peter, one of my closest followers, that I had to continue my journey to the cross. It was for you. It is for you. I kept walking, shedding drops of blood as I walked. Each step I took towards obedience unto death. Death on a cross. I was overcoming the world, darkness, and Satan himself for all time, for after all, I was thinking of you, as I am thinking of you now. I pray for you in your hour of doubt, when you think the dark night of your soul will never end, when the dawn breaks to find you denying the very one who died for you, when the rooster of human frailty crows, I am still with you. I have never left you. I died for you because I love you. Tomorrow you will be a living stone to fit perfectly in my heavenly kingdom if you stop. Turn around. Look at me. Believe. For I am praying for you that your faith will not fail. For I am thinking of you. <laughs>